Today's episode of Titus and Tate is brought to you by Discover Card. Do you want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all of the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. How amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the United States that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing the word yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. On today's episode of Titus and Tate, we are talking to the greatest to ever do it, an absolute legend. This was a bucket list interview. Mm. I sound like I'm overhyping it, but uh, I don't think it's possible to overhype it because Gus Johnson joined us on the program. Tate, the one and only Gus Johnson. Yeah, Gus Johnson, we have imitated quite a bit on this podcast, and we have uh, obviously enjoyed... <laughs> yes, <laughs> Isaiah! Yeah, all those moments. Uh, we, we love being Gus Johnson. We love living vicariously through Gus Johnson. And this is an honor. This is... Uh, uh, this is honestly probably one of the biggest kids that we've ever had uh, throughout the many iterations of our program, whether it be Teed Up, One Shining mm. Podcast, now Titus and Tate. Uh, we are very excited, and uh, Gus was the best, so we, yeah. we could be more excited to let you uh, hear that. Uh, uh, we had him on. The impetus behind this is that uh, on on Monday, Martin Luther King Day, uh, yeah. Notre Dame will be playing at Howard, and Gus Johnson is a Howard alum. He'll be calling the game on Fox, uh, so it's all that synergy right there, and uh, mm. we're going to talk to him about that. And I may or may not have accidentally made him tear up, but it was also a really sweet moment because Gus Johnson's a sweet man, and I say that he's lovingly. He's just yeah. he's just a good dude, and he's he's he's. They say never meet your heroes. Gus Johnson's the exception. <laughs> he's the best. So uh, we have that coming up, but before we get to that, Tate, we have to talk about Michigan. Because we always have to talk about Michigan because yep. that's what that's what college yep. basketball has become. Andy Katz came on this program a week ago. He said Michigan is a tier one team. I laughed in his face. And then Michigan beat Wisconsin by 40. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now Andy Katz is not coming on the show today, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then I yelled at Andy about how Texas should be in the tier one and Michigan should not be tier one. And then Texas loses to our boy Mac McClung, yep. a.k.a. Riff Raff's cousin. So, uh, you know, maybe Andy was right. Maybe Andy we're putting, knew. We're putting Andy in timeout. You don't come on our yeah. show and humiliate us, Andy. That's not how this works. We, you, we humiliate you, okay? Like, you don't come on and, and tell us Michigan's better and Texas is. We didn't like no. it, Andy. No, we don't like it. Go away, Andy. Come back next week. Not up in here. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we're going to talk about Michigan. Uh, Absolutely rolling. Uh, Blew out Wisconsin. One of the more surprising games. I I would say that's the most surprising result of this college basketball. I would agree with that. Yeah. And then obviously Mac McClung with the game winner at Texas. And we're gonna we're gonna spend a lot of time talking about that. Also, Tate. Finally, uh, Pac-12 update. It's Friday. That's what I do on the show. I get excited about this. I'm wearing my San Diego State sweatshirt today, uh, so I'm ready for the Pac-12. Um, the Pac-12 is a conference that is still playing basketball. Not enough people are talking about this. I'm going to talk about it. That's what we do Please. on the show on Friday. Please. So uh, we're going to do Pac-12 update. Absolutely loaded show coming up, but first, Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical out foul. Timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. All right, calm down, Michigan fans. We'll get to uh, we'll get to the Wolverines in a second. I know every Michigan fan. The, the Michigan men were in my mentions. Mm. We need a segment mm. called like Michigan mentions, where mm-hmm. the Michigan men get into my mentions. Because the <laughs> last time we spent a, it was last week, I think we spent a good chunk of time talking about Michigan Tate, and uh, I, I had the gall to mention that Michigan's schedule is favorable. 
It doesn't take away mm-hmm. from what they've done, but it's favorable. And my God, as Michigan was putting it on Wisconsin, the Michigan men came out in full force. We'll talk about that in a second. Hold your thoughts. Hold <laughs> okay. your thoughts on Michigan. Okay. because please, please. Uh, before we do that, uh, we, we need to mention, <laughs> we're recording this on Thursday night. We just witnessed the Purdue Boilermakers for the 312th time in a row beat the piss out of Indiana. Mm. This rivalry is broken. It has entered Louisville, Kentucky territory. Uh, Purdue has won eight in a row, I believe is the actual number. Um, And I believe it's 11 out of 12. Famously last year, Bob Knight comes back to Indiana for the Purdue game. (laughs) And it's a whole, it's a situation. It's a scene that you cannot, you cannot possibly blow. If you're an Indiana player, you're Mm -hmm. like, this is, uh, you have, you have the assembly hall crowd with Bob Knight in the arena. Yep. And you still blow the game to Purdue. Fast forward a year, Tate. Tonight is the the, the Purdue Boilermakers are back in Assembly Hall. This is a must-win game for Indiana, who is coming into this game. Both teams are eight and five. Indiana, five losses feels like a lot. You kind of like sift through the schedule and everything. <laughs> None of the losses are that bad. Not not no bad losses. No bad yet. losses, yep. Yep. right? Like Northwestern at home <laughs> is the worst one, but we know Northwestern's okay. Chase Aldis yep. just was making everything at the end of that game, so it's like you mm-hmm. know. We're not having the greatest year. You know, I remember when Titus was excited about us in Maui and was saying that the sky's the limit with this team. And, like, he's a moron, but at least we're not having, yeah. like, a horrible year. <laughs> and I think if we can beat Purdue, get, get get on the right track, everything will be fine. And then Travion Williams, you, you dumb bitch, you come out with your baby mm. hooks and you don't miss anything. Purdue's, Purdue's making shots left and right. I, I've been on that for years. Making shots is important. Um, IU does not make shots. Purdue does. And I just want to say I'm disgusted, and I just wanted to relay my father's thoughts because that's the real point here, Tate, is that mm. Coach Titus had some thoughts. I, I asked him if he wanted to come on the program tonight. He said, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Dad, I need a statement, though. I need to share something with the fans because they want to know. Like, you're, you're, Please. For him, it's less about IU losing and more about Purdue winning, as, as you mm-hmm. know, the, the, mm-hmm. the longtime friends of the program. No, he hates Purdue more than he likes IU. <laughs> His initial statement was, it's time to reassess. He said, are we sure that we should be playing college basketball? I'm kidding. <laughs> big of him, though. That's, a good, that's yeah. a good point, Coach Titus. Should we? What's no, going I, on here? It was big of him. I was expecting him to take that route. I was expecting him to be like, "This is these are weird times that I just feel like the boys shouldn't be playing. Uh, I am here to report, whether my dad wants me to or not, we have reached a point where my dad is giving Archie Miller a good guy treatment. We have wow. reached that point. Wow. He said... You know, like every time he's talking about Archie Miller now, it's because I played for Archie at Ohio State and I loved Archie and I'll, I'll defend like the Archie Miller I knew to the death. I was like, that guy's the best. I love playing for him. Um, so my dad always is doing the thing now where he's prefacing with that. He's like, as yep. you know, Mark, I love yep. Archie. Yeah. Archie is a great man. Mark, He's- no disrespect to Archie. <laughs> and absolutely no disrespect coming from me, but he is not the coach for IU. Right. You're like, Dad, that's disrespectful. <laughs> Mark, as you know, I was very appreciative of the way Archie Miller treated you at Ohio State. However, this is horseshit and it's got to get cleaned up. And this is a. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's where we've arrived is uh, uh, Indiana basketball. I don't know. I still like the group of guys. They just had their offense is just atrocious. And I think at some point you would expect the guys, they, they, they literally treat, we don't need to make this an Indian at that, but they treat, they treat Trace Jackson Davis like he's Shaq and mm-hmm. they have, and everyone else around him is total garbage, which, you know, like, you know, IU fans listening might think, yeah, they are. But I would say part of the reason they look like garbage because they're put in positions where all they're supposed to do is feed the post all day and just like yep. funnel the ball to trade. It's, it's very frustrating to it. I'll just say that. I think that's the worst part is that, it's IU doesn't even play a fun brand of basketball. They play like 
a diet version of Tony Bennett ball and they don't mm-hmm. even win. And like the, the, the appeal of Bennett ball is you win with it. And <laughs> right now they're not even winning and they're losing to Purdue like crazy. And, uh, and my dad's had enough. So that's where we're at. So that's it. Anyway, how much does Matt Painter growing up around Bob Knight and knowing Indiana inside mm-hmm. and out have to do with this? Because it does feel like he has some sort of weird, sick and twisted advantage mm-hmm. by knowing the night secrets and knowing Indiana basketball secrets at the highest level. And uh, I don't know. He owns Indiana a little bit. If I was Indiana, I would hire Matt Painter. I'm uh, just like, you know, whatever. We don't like I want him to come over here so we don't have to lose to Purdue anymore. Yeah. Indiana hires Matt Painter. Oh my God! Yeah, maybe I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know what the answer is. They got to do something. But uh, that's. I'm that's just trying to give your dad some right sort of cop out to say that you know Matt Painter was on the inside. So maybe give him some credit for knowing a little too much. You know, it's not just that it's Purdue, not just Purdue. It's, it's not Matt just that Painter. Purdue beats Indiana every time they play. Now it's that Purdue has like a very clear identity to their basketball program, and Indiana mm-hmm. does not. And yep. uh, yeah, I don't know. It's Tom good Tom for West Lafayette. Yeah, not good for Coach Titus. Not good for the diehard IU where, fans. This is where it works out well for me <laughs> that I have multiple teams that I cheer for because then I can just yeah. like shrug my shoulders and be like, well, oh well, Ohio State's playing well, so that's cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all that's right, it. moving on. Speaking of the Big Ten, it's time to talk about the team that America cannot get enough of, the team that some are saying <laughs> – uh, I don't know what they're saying. The, 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 a team that is undefeated. How undefeated is Michigan is the question mm. people are having. Uh, what are they, 11-0 now, I believe? Yep. Um, blew out Wisconsin. And, and th- this was the most – I'm thinking about it like the only other candidate would be Texas going to Kansas and blowing out Kansas by 25 um, in terms of the most surprising results we've seen in college basketball so far this year. Uh, but but I gotta say the way like Michigan being up forty that run they went on what was it forty three to six run mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on Wisconsin where it felt like I, I saw someone said it feels like Wisconsin's losing points somehow like I, I know that's not <laughs> even possible in basketball but it feels like I swear they had thirty at one point now yeah. I look over up, time it's just like yeah, yeah decreasing <laughs> just ab- ab- stunning that's the only way to put it especially like it, Wisconsin as we know is a great team but uh, do we know they're a great team but they they was Wisconsin's a good team and that part of it's stunning but it's more that Wisconsin's old as we know. Wisconsin is uh, a bunch of veteran guys that have played together that if you if you were to pick one team in this country to say they they just will not go down in this way it's it, I don't know if it's not Wisconsin it's Baylor but it's probably Wisconsin like in terms of like they have too much pride if they're getting their ass kicked at some point they're just going to turn it into a fight and say like you're not going to beat us by 40 that's just not mm-hmm. going to happen like we, mm-hmm. we cannot allow that to happen mm-hmm. and they allowed it to happen and uh it was it was shocking. It was, that's all I could say. I was shocked. Yeah. They uh, we're talking about history, so I would say this about Michigan. This is the you know we all watched the five five before, and obviously Jawan Howard is there, and Jawan Howard famously says, you know, we gonna shock the world, and you know that was what was taken from the five five, and that was sort of the mantra. And I think the funniest part about this Michigan team is they are shocking not only the world, they are shocking you and I. And mm-hmm. in fact, just a week ago, we were saying, you know, let's wait and see. We were still doing the wait and see <laughs> approach. We, we we wanted to just see who they were when they played the big three in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. We were joking about that. Uh, But now the Wolverines became the first team in history to beat three ranked teams by at least 19 points each. I think that was the most Big Ten 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 of the day day (laughs) that I could come up with. Uh, Their last three games, they've had leads of 29 against Northwestern, Mm -hmm. 37 against Minnesota, and of course 40 uh, against Wisconsin. So they are playing some of the best brands of basketball, the best brand of basketball we've seen them play Mm -hmm. in quite some time, obviously. But the real secret, I figured it out, it is something called the Hunger Games Drill. 
And uh, for people at home that are listening, you're thinking to yourselves, I know that book. That's a, that's the teenage novel that uh, that I remember that was really popular in the early 2000s. Well, they have a drill at Michigan that Jawan Howard plays called the Hunger Games drill, where there's no fouls, uh, there's no out of bounds, and it's basically just a free-for-all where you're just fighting for the ball. Oh, no. uh, and that is where the tenacity of the team comes from. They basically just throw the ball up and they are just battling it out. It is called the Hunger Games drill. That's where that's where they have built this uh, fierce, you know, kind of competitiveness that everyone's talking about. It comes from this drill. Uh, Jawan Howard said after this game, which I thought was great for the Big Ten and great for you, Mark Titus, he said, our goal was to be the last team left standing in April. You know, he was asked by the Big Ten mm-hmm. tournament about being two games up in the Big Ten. Uh, the, the, the next two teams that they play behind them, Iowa, Illinois, they play at home. Um, so, you know, it's fortuitous for Michigan right now. All the chips are falling in their favor, but I wanted to get kudos on, to the saying, Hunger Games. Are you, are you saying their schedule is favorable? Is that what you're saying? Take yeah, be yeah, careful. Mo- yeah, moving forward, the schedule the schedule is favorable. It was not before. It was, yeah, it was but- arduous. Uh, it was one of the hardest schedules very, in the country. Very yeah. arduous going outside of the Chrysler Center twice to play Nebraska <laughs> and Maryland. Uh, very, very arduous. Listen, you, when you beat Wisconsin by 40, I, you, you can't say it. Who cares where you play? Exactly. You know, you know what exactly. I mean? Like, so I, I do think the schedule thing, uh, which you know, I, I would probably be the first to bring that up when we're talking about Michigan because I, I do. Um, I, I think that is a fair thing to say. Like if you're if you're stacking Michigan up against say a Baylor, or a Gonzaga, even a Villanova, now that that's the tier they're in, according to Andy Katz, they're a mm-hmm. tier one team, mm-hmm. and you're saying, all right, Michigan's undefeated, Baylor's undefeated, Gonzaga's undefeated. Why aren't we taking Michigan more seriously as the best team in the country? I would say, well, all those wins that we saw Gonzaga win were outside of the kennel or whatever it is, whatever the hell Gonzaga calls their arena. Um, <laughs> Gonzaga's always, they always like have like a nickname for everything. Like they always have an official, mm-hmm. like they're called the Zags, but they're the Bulldogs, you know? Gonzaga yeah, does yeah. that with everything, it feels yeah. like. And anyway, if you don't know it, you're an like, idiot. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. Like, they're like, how do you not know that? You watch college basketball, uh, you're like, okay, thanks, Gonzaga. So I think that's a fair thing in uh, parsing out resumes and trying to decide all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, at a certain point, when you when you beat a Wisconsin team that's that's supposed to be the best team in the Big Ten, when you beat or one mm-hmm. of them, one of the one of the three best teams in the Big Ten, uh, when you're beating them that badly, it doesn't matter. At, at that mm. point. You, you kind of take the schedule argument and just throw it in the garbage and say, all right, Michigan's for real, and here they are. And uh, I don't know. How undefeated are they, I guess, is the question. <laughs> do, do they I, belong, do, you know? I think that they are very undefeated. I don't think they are as undefeated as Gonzaga. I don't think they are. I think they are as undefeated as Baylor. I think that's what they did. Yeah, they, that's they, a good equaled, point. Yeah. they equaled with Baylor. They are just as undefeated. Baylor has not done anything that has superseded them. In fact, they probably are the most impressive between those two teams. When we're mm-hmm. talking about undefeated teams, Gonzaga still has that extra, you know, just based on the teams that they played so far, the fact that America and, you know, all of the talking heads have all bought into, you know, every Everyone was zigging and now we're all zagging together and we're all saying it's for the zags and uh, mm. that is you know a breath of fresh air for everybody to be on the same page I think in college basketball but Michigan is the team that is the hot team right now that everyone wants to jump on to say actually Michigan is the best team and they're in the best conference yeah and you know I, I can see that and I also will say I believed after the Wisconsin game because I said on the last episode you asked me the best two teams in the Big Ten and I told you that they were Iowa and Wisconsin and then Iowa got Wisconsin, smacked by 40 you points you asked me who the best team in the ACC was I said I think it's NC State they got smacked by Florida State so 
I uh, I learned a lot uh, in the past couple of days. I will say I'm not giving up on the teams that I said, but I do think Michigan is for real. I was not giving them credit. I was not giving them the benefit of the doubt. But I will say they play at the barn on Saturday. And if you think this is the jinx mm-hmm. of Michigan, uh, it's not. It's the barn. It has nothing to do with us. If they lose that game, it's not because we turned and said that they're a good team. It's because they went to the barn and uh, nobody wins at the barn. So uh, Michigan will probably lose that game, but it will not change my opinion. I believe in Michigan on the this record. Is, this is unstoppable force, immovable <laughs> object situation yeah. here with uh, the Michigan Wolverines going into the barn because as as – Famously covered on this program, Minnesota's a Final Four team if all the games are played mm-hmm. in the barn. So uh, yes, are, 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 is that what you're saying? You're kicking the can down the road and you're saying, "All right, that was impressive. You beat Wisconsin by 40." No, 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 no. I'm saying, I see. I, I, I'm saying, I already know what what, what the Michigan yeah. mentions are going to look like. The Michigan mentions yeah. are going to say, "Of course, you bozos jumped on the bandwagon, and of course we'd lose at Michigan or at Minnesota." And, and then we say, yeah. "No, we told you on the podcast that the barn is is, is a place that you cannot win." at its teams and uh it's okay to lose there and don't worry about it michigan missions you'll be fine also i'm not on the bandwagon you'll be fine. I, sh- I should make that clear i'm definitely not on the michigan bandwagon like i think they're good I, but i'm not on the bandwagon that's crazy that's crazy i talk. am not got, i am yeah. i am not on the bandwagon but i am on the wagon that says that they are in tier one or tier two and i was not on that wagon before i thought that they were tier three mark titus if you put a gun to my head on tuesday and you said where were the michigan men i would have said tier three and i think that they're tier one now I, That's all I'll say. I agree I with you. I, I think changed. they belong on tier one, but uh, yeah, I probably would have said, yeah, I don't know. I wish that we had the tiers like behind us. And then, like, <laughs> like, it's like flipping back and forth. We are like telestrators and we're like, yeah, so, yeah like tons of graphics. We're double tapping and moving teams yeah. and we're like, tier one. How undefeated <laughs> are they? Let's go to the board. No, uh, in all seriousness, Michigan is definitely playing well enough right now. Uh, they might be the hottest team in the country. They're certainly playing well enough for everyone to forget that Oakland took them to overtime in the second game of the season in the Chrysler yeah. Center when yeah. uh, Oakland was playing. The, they played four games in five days, and like four days earlier, Xavier beat Oakland by 52 points, and then they took mm-hmm. Michigan to overtime in the Chrysler Center. Michigan is playing so well that people are not aware of that. They're playing so well that uh, Hunter Dickinson – Moving into the starting lineup has has kind of uh, given Michigan Michigan fans are giving are, are treating this like a John like John Calipari would where nothing mm-hmm. counts like I, I can hear I can <laughs> I can feel the Michigan men in the mention the Michigan mentions are firing off right now they're saying mm-hmm. that game doesn't count because Hunter Dickinson was coming off the bench yeah the only thing that yeah. the only games that count is when Hunter Dickinson started. Yep. And since then, that's we've the been real on a tear. Team. Yeah, yep. yeah, and and unfortunately, they're not wrong, Tate. That's the that's the part that hurts <laughs> the most. Uh, I had I had a guy mention to me. Uh, he had this idea. A, a, a dude on Twitter. Um, I, I forget who it was. So I apologize if uh, you know pe- people like to get shout outs, and I'm sorry, but uh, you know who you are. Uh, you know, I have <laughs> I have the idea, Tate, of of recruits announcing. Instead of saying I'm going to this school, say I'm going to the school that wins the national title, or I'm going yeah, to yeah. like do, like let the NCAA tournament play out where there's more at stake than just the trophy. There's whoever wins gets this five star guy, and someone pointed out to me that Michigan and Gonzaga are arguably the two best teams in the country right now. With apologies to Baylor, but uh, mm. if that is indeed true, is this not the perfect situation for Chet Holmgren, who has Michigan and Gonzaga amongst his final batch of teams? <laughs> That would be I I would buy Chet Holmgren's jersey immediately unless he unless it ends up being Michigan. But if he if he comes out, he's like, <laughs> all right, Michigan, Gonzaga, you're two, mm-hmm. you're, you guys are obviously going to the Final Four. If one of you win the national title, I'm committing the day after 
that, that you win the title. Done. Put it in stone. That'd be amazing. <laughs> that would be great. And Chet Holmgren is like the actual perfect face forward for those two programs too, especially with Hunter Dickinson and like just the, yeah, I, I feel like he could like fit in either program perfectly, you know, so it, it doesn't feel like he's sliding himself with either decision. Uh, this is good. I was going to ask you, if you're a Michigan fan, would you take, like if you, if you could go back to when the Cavs called John Beeline and if you could mm-hmm. say, I keep John Beeline after the Final Four run and it's all hunky-dory, or do I let that play out and I have what I currently have with Jawan Howard with the number one recruiting yeah. class coming in next year? Like, which one do I take? Because uh, I think I would have never thought that Jawan Howard would be the right answer in that situation. And it does seem like the chips, not to say that we're already set in stone here with this decision, but it does seem like all signs are pointing to Jawan Howard is probably, you know, for the future, maybe even better pick. And uh, at the time, mm-hmm. that would seem insane because Beeline had created such a great program uh, there, obviously. Uh, yeah, we can pump the brakes a little bit. Okay, you there know, you like go. John right. Beeline goes to two Final Fours, played for national titles mm. twice, probably should have had one in 2013. Um you know, I mean, but, do, but does he have the number one recruiting class? That's, that's all great, I'm asking. Yeah, that, that that's that's all is, I'm saying. This is, is college basketball. To, yeah, the 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 Michigan <laughs> culture, as we've we've joked, the differences between Jawan Howard and, and John Beeline. That like, I, what I culture days, do you want? Yeah, I remember the days of Beeline just getting a bunch of three stars, and Michigan, the Michigan men in the mentions were uh, arguing that the class is actually better than I think, and I would be mm-hmm. like, I'd be like, all right. I mean, Brazdakis is good, but the rest of this class doesn't really do much for me. And the Michigan people will be like, you dumb bitch. I'm going to mm-hmm. explain to you why this three-star <laughs> is actually a five-star, and here's why. Yeah. And then now it's like, all right, we're getting Chet Holmgren. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to do that anymore if I'm a Michigan fan. I'm just like, yeah, we're getting Chet Holmgren. This is awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a new day. It's a new dawn, and um, uh, I think it's good for Michigan. But, you know, we let's pump the brakes slightly. Just slightly. Like, I... I, I I just want to remind people where Michigan was at last year. Not at this time of the year, granted. Like, we're, we're much further along. But Michigan went from unranked to ranked fourth in the country, then had just a complete disaster of a skid that saw Jeff Jackson drive his car off the road and, mm-hmm. you know, like a literal skid off the road. And also they lost four straight, like five of six at one point. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen with this team, but I'm just saying they're, you know, this is – these All things I'm happen saying, in college basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and can we wait to see what happens in the barn? Can we wait once? Can, can we wait? Can we see them play one tournament team outside Chrysler Center? That's You're all right. I want to see. Right. Just one You're time. Right. And then if they beat Minnesota, I want to see another one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's actually Damn better it. for them to not be coronated, though. You know, if you are the Michigan Wolverines, uh, yeah. it's actually better for them to not have people say how great they are because it does feel as if this week that win against Wisconsin was the one. Like even the D- Detroit Free Press, they were the one that wrote the piece about the Hunger Games. You know that I brought up before. Dude, I like, hate that that works. By the way, because I my, <laughs> my high school coach used to do that drill, and I hated him for it. Where he's like, nothing's out of bounds, nothing's yeah. a foul, and I was like, yeah. that's not bad. What? What? Yeah, it's a fight. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, what, what are we doing? Like, why are we practicing this? And uh, I used to think it was the dumbest thing ever. And you're telling me that it actually has positive results. That's devastating to my point mm-hmm. of view because mm-hmm. uh, I've always been led to believe that that was the dumbest drill on earth. I, I also <laughs> I, It is the dumbest drill. And I also will say that it kind of kills the narrative of uh, Jawan Howard being strictly a player's coach, you know, because yeah. the idea that you have that in your repertoire and the fact that you yeah. want guys diving on the floor. I mean, I think it's great for Jawan Howard building like he has both cultures going. You know, he might be the first guy to have the culture of John Beeline that he was speaking of and yeah. the culture of no, the Migos. You know, he's Penny he's, Hardaway, he's, but also Tom Izzo. Yes, you know, yes. He's time. doing both. And, yeah. He, he, he gets college 
college basketball enough to know that that is like you have to have both sides of that equation yeah. to really win. And uh, again, he said, our goal Damn is to be the last team standing left in April. And I thought that was a great quote. I don't necessarily believe it. Uh, yeah. That it will be true. I'm not saying Michigan. I don't no, think that I'm buying be. Michigan to be the national champions uh, because I am zagging uh, officially. I'm officially a zagger, but uh, I like Jawan Howard's confidence, and I like that they play hard. I like that they were up like 37, and Shawnee Brown was getting mad about a foul call. Yeah, you know, I do like that. I, I think I, that's good. I think that's I, good. I just want to point out they were up 40 at one point. They only won by 23, which tells me that <laughs> Wisconsin at, can at, they hold a lead from a certain point in time? Did Wisconsin just run out of time, Tate? You can make yeah. the argument Wisconsin yeah. was the comeback was on. They <laughs> cut a lead by 17 points. Mm. Uh, uh, and and uh, serious thought here: um, transitive property. As we know, Wisconsin beat Louisville by 40 ish. Uh, <laughs> Michigan, when they let their foot off the gas, they were up by 40. Transitive property says Michigan is forty is eighty <laughs> points better than Louisville, who is probably the best team in the ACC if it's not Clemson. How does that make you feel as an ACC guy to know that Michigan is eighty points better than your best team in your conference? Well, the best team in the ACC is Florida State, um, <laughs> okay, and, yeah, and so are. they are not they are not eighty points better than Florida okay. State. So All that's right. uh, I All just right. got it wrong. I knew it was State. I just I just thought it was NC State, but it's actually Florida State, and. Uh, that's all I can say on the ACC. Let's move on to Mac McClung um, and Texas Tech, please, because yes. uh, I can't I can't do this Michigan stuff anymore. It's really hurting mm. my soul. I, I, <laughs> I, I every time people joke about Michigan being no longer a football school, it, like the, the, it's like the worse the football program does, the better the basketball program does, and uh, yep. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. So let's move on. Um, Mac McClung, mm. your thoughts mm. <laughs> in a word. In two words, your thoughts. Mac McClung hits the game winner. Uh, the, the, he had he had one of the greatest five end of five minute stretches, ten minute stretches of real time maybe where um, he tries to throw a pass off the backboard to himself. <laughs> he hits a game winner uh, where he's talking smack, but also like he he's weirdly. I was trying to explain this to a friend of mine who who hates Mac McClung. He's like he's like this how? guy. Yeah, because because well you know you know how like he, he fits the yeah. stereotype yeah. of like kind of a cocky white short white dude whatever. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to explain to the the subtleties that Mac McClung is is like a good dude. Like you saw earlier in the game, he he accidentally undercutted Greg Brown on like a a weird play where he thought he's kind of blocking him out, but Greg Brown is going up for the hoop and he goes over and helps him up and and you know yeah, not that yeah. that makes him a saint or whatever, but um. It's clear, like, Mac McClung seems to have a good reputation amongst his peers, right? Absolutely. But yeah. he also is the kind of dude that would, like, grab his balls and talk bad smack to, to opponents and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's endearing. Like, he, he, he walks up to the line for me, stops, and it, it's just abs- – and then every so often he'll dip his toes over the line. But it's like, you can't be mad at the guy. Uh, I don't know. He's perfect. I love him. I absolutely yeah. love him. And and that stretch of him throwing it off the glass to himself and Jericho Smith kind of bodying him – or Jericho Sims, I'm sorry, uh, bodying him. And then um, the foul is called. And then we move on. He hits the game winner. He's like, is he talking smack or is he just like doing the thing that the Texas guards do mm-hmm. where he just like talks mm-hmm. to himself? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm me over and over. <laughs> Michael Beasley. Uh, and then he gets interviewed by Fran Fraschilla and he says, I love you, Fran, but uh, you're, 
I gotta go. I'm going. Yeah, to, I'm yeah, going to, yeah. I'm going to celebrate my team. He's like, Fran, I've awesome. talked to you literally 500 <laughs> yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I will talk to you again before the draft. I have to go run with my teammates. And it was almost the. I mean, it was a poetic moment. But when he first took the shot, it was a step back three. And I thought that it was going to be 23 points for Mac McClung, uh, his Jordan moment, his like coming uh, coming of the guard moment. But it also was uniquely Mac McClung because Mac McClung, like you said, he. He like doesn't do it. He does it his own way. You know, he should be hateable, but he's not. He should be like, you know, I think he was prescribed to be, you know, maybe a little bit different of a player than he is. He's a little bit more scrappier than he is like naturally like talented, I would say. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's so many like contradictions within Mac McClung, but it was fun to see this Chris Beard team. They give up 48 points in the first half. Texas mm-hmm. is clinical and Chris Beard's teams do not give up 48 points in a half. I think that was the most they had given up since like 2017 or something in a half. And the second half, they just keep chipping away. I'm calling them, you know, the the road raiders, and they go out on the road, and they know that they need a win, and they just no matter what, like Shannon and like PV and like some of these McCullough guys, they have was awesome. Yeah, he was exactly, awesome yeah. exactly. And uh, but at the he end of the day, for talking shit too, by the way, which, <laughs> which we love. That. Yeah, which yeah, yeah we we love that. And like Coleman and Ramey, they were you know trying to get at Mac McClung. Like a couple times, Mac Coleman mm-hmm. got switched on to Mac McClung, and he was like, "Not today, you know, this mm-hmm. is not going." happened and Mac McClung took it on the chin I thought it was a great game for everyone all all around Texas Tech Chris Beard needed a a signature win the last signature win they had was the Louisville game in MSG uh, in 2019 Mm -hmm. in December we remember that game when Louisville was number one in the country with Jordan Awara Uh, they should not have been number one but Texas Tech won that game Uh, and anyways like this was I felt like a a good coming uh, coming out party for the Mac McClung Texas Tech Raiders you know post the 2019 team this was like a nice reintroduction for them to show hey we're real contenders and the real thing that I took away from this game was I'm happy that Texas lost a close game Texas has been winning all these close games I think they were 3-0 and in games decided by three points three points or less uh, they lose this game they have a really bad turnover late that Texas Tech steals the ball in inbounds and scores the tie up and I wanted them to learn because I think that they have a real chance to be a real final four national championship type team and it's better to have those hiccups happen in the regular season and learn from it and be pissed off about it than have it catch up to you in the tournament and uh, I was worried about that with Texas because everything has been perfect so far even down to the Maui you know the last second shot with Matt right. Coleman so to spit it to spit it in, in a good way for Texas fans uh, I would say it's not a bad loss because you learn that you, you, like these games aren't always going to go in your favor and if you have little mental mistakes it's going to come back to bite you so that was good and then after the game Rick Pitino said I never questioned Shaka Smart uh, he tweeted this I never questioned Shaka, Shaka Smart but I do question anyone that could grow that hair and doesn't uh, and then you know unlike my bald friend Dick Vitale and then Dick Vitale came back and said my wife loves it baby come on wife, my wife thinks it's sexy I think is what he said yeah, yeah my wife thinks it's sexy, sexy. Uh, I mean that's that was how it all wrapped up, which I think it was a good day for basketball. And you know how I left that date, Mark Titus? I said to myself, the Big 12 is the best basketball conference. It's not the Big 10. It's the Big 12. The Texas Oof. Tech jumped up a tier for me that day. Oh. Texas and Baylor are two national championship contenders. Uh, oh. I am a, I'm a Big 12. I'm a Big 12 believer. So there oh. you go. <laughs> oh, it hurts. It hurts to hear you say it. 
Oh. Give me the Big Twelve. What a what a positive spin zone you put on that for Texas, by the way. Well, I, you, I, I am on the Texas bandwagon. Yeah, so I, I have to. I think Texas is awesome, and I and I this is why it's just like such a uh, shocking is not the right word because Texas Tech has a great team and uh, yeah. certainly a lot of great parts. And as you said, this was a good coming out for Texas Tech in the sense that uh, I, I think a lot of people knew that Texas Tech was supposed to be good this year. They've been highly ranked for most of the season, but yeah. um, at, at a certain point, you have to flip the switch from potential and start winning these games. Games and and, and the they needed game, this win. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they, the game like this is goes a long way in that regard. Um, but you you mentioned Texas uh, had have has been lucky might not be the right word charmed has been uh, mm-hmm. the, Matt Coleman hits the shot against North Carolina Andrew Jones hits the shot against West Virginia uh, yep. last week. Um, and you say this is a good thing. I thought Texas to me. Uh, in, in the sense of like being on the Texas bandwagon, nothing about this game makes me want to sell my Texas stock in the sense that they are still very talented. They're very good. They were leading most of this game. Mm-hmm. All the stuff throughout the game uh, that Texas was showing is indicative of how good they can be. What was frustrating um, is, you know, no disrespect to Texas Tech, who who came back and, and, and made the plays and, you know, they, they rightfully won the game. I felt like Texas choked this away. I, yeah, felt yeah, like, yeah. I felt like Texas was like Matt Coleman in particular was taking a lot of dumb long twos. Just the, the, Texas started playing like uh, they were up by five to seven points more than they were at every yeah. at every juncture. They were playing like they were invincible, Mark. Yes, yeah. and yeah. I think that they need to learn a lesson that they well, that they point. can't Maybe. just. They're not better than everybody, yeah. you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Maybe maybe we're both right, but like yeah, that that was my takeaway. Was like my God, how do you? Uh, th- that was frustrating to have a senior team, a team or, or an upperclassman team. They got a lot of older guys on the team um, mm-hmm. and and they, they've been there before. All that, <laughs> all the cliches you would say about a team that's constructed like Texas. It, it, it was disappointing to see them behave uh, offensively. And, and like the way, like the dumb turnovers, Ramey throwing it right to Texas Tech for the easy layup towards the end of the game. And yep. um, their transition defense was pretty bad in a lot of ways. And they just seemed to be playing like the game was over. And you look up and you're like, guys, you're up three. Like this game is not, yep. I don't know what you're doing. Are you do-? And then even when Texas Tech takes a lead, it looked like they were shell-shocked. Like, wait, is that true? Is the scoreboard true? Like they're beating us right now? Yeah. And there's like barely any time left? Is that? Yeah. No shit. <laughs> it's, like, it's like McClung hit the shot, and Texas was surprised as to why they were so excited. They're like, "Damn, they're really cheering a lot for being down 12. Oh, they're up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we should lock in. What are we going to run, yeah. Coach? And Chaka yeah. like, "What have you guys been doing? Like, what is happening?" Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, it, it was a it, the, the craziest thing for me too is like for Texas Tech, they play Baylor on Saturday. And I, I think like, you know, Chris Beard said it. He was like, this is an 80 minute week for us. And the fact that they get this first win on the front end, then we get to see them play against Baylor. We can kind of get a, uh, you know, an overarching kind of thesis of where we are in the Big 12 with our mm-hmm. top teams after, you know, this little weekend. And uh, I think that's great. I, I don't suspect that Texas Tech is going to go to Baylor and get a win after beating Texas. Mm-hmm. I, I would assume you go one for two there. But if they do then I think that, you know, even more says that Chris Beard and this team is for real defensively, for sure. I think that they can do it on the defensive end. There's some question marks on, like, who is the guy? Mac McClung obviously was in this game. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what that'll be in the tournament, but they have some pieces. I was impressed with Texas Tech. I was impressed yeah. that they kept fighting, I yeah. guess I should say, because you like you said, they should be down 12. You felt like they should be down 12, as Texas felt, and they hung around and got a nice win. Well, part of what makes Texas great is they're crazy, as we've said many times on the show this year. <laughs> yeah. 
here, and I don't think you can out crazy crazy when yep. when you got yep. McCuller and uh, uh, McClung on the other on the other team, and they're both a little nuts themselves. And I say that in an endearing way. Um, yeah, you know the 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 Texas the Matt Coleman Courtney Ramey like nut the, those guys being nuts and hyping themselves up yeah. and, and clapping as the as the guys bringing a ball up the floor and they're clapping trying to get in your head. You can't out crazy crazy. And Matt mm-hmm. McClung is out of his mind, and we love him mm-hmm. for it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, great win, great great win. Uh, they they deserve all the the props and everything, but yeah, I was a little disappointed to see Texas shoot themselves in the foot. But yeah, you know. I think I, it'll I, be good for him in the end. I think I think the reason it's disappointing is because like this is if you want to get crazy, you'd be like, all right, we this is we've seen this before from Shaka Smart teams. Like mm-hmm. that kind of ending felt familiar, and I don't want this to be a Shaka Smart like the, of the past. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's that's the disappointment because like they're going to lose games. Texas is going to lose another game probably before their tournament, at least one. Like yep. you can't, you, you don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill every time a team loses a game where you 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 say what's wrong, are they broken, <laughs> should you know all that all that sort of stuff. Uh, but for me, the way Texas lost this felt familiar to how Texas has lost games under Shaka Smart in the past, and I really just don't want to go down that road this year because I love this yep. team and I don't yep. I don't want that to start being a theme. So hopefully it's not. Hopefully uh, your positive spin is the right one, and they learn some lessons. I feel it. I can see it in their faces. I think they needed to get, you know, as Mike Tyson said, sometimes you got to get hit in the mouth, and uh, Mm -hmm. I think they got hit in the mouth, and I think they got hit in the mouth by a team that they expected and thought and knew that they were better than. And I think that that is even sometimes even more jarring, you know, like I remember in 09 Carolina lost to Boston College and, you know, Tyrese Rice had like 46 points or something crazy. But Ty Lawson had this look after the game of like, we really just lost to them. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. that, I can't be real. But like in college basketball, you can lose to any like, mm-hmm. I know that's a cliche, too. But, uh, you know, it's just like sometimes you just kind of have to wake up and realize time and score and like lock in. You can't just talent's not always going to win the day in college basketball. Right. And uh you know you can lose Texas. you can lose games you can, guys you can lose any given wednesday you can take the l <laughs> um all right <laughs> all right uh they did play on wednesday i don't know what's so funny about that yeah. the game was on wednesday yeah. night i don't come uh, on all right come on let's get to it we, we put it off long enough here he is the goat gus johnson himself please enjoy Today's episode of Titus and Tate is brought to you by Homage and a legendary offer just for Titus and Tate listeners from the makers of the most comfortable fan clothing around. We've got the jump. Homage crafts famously soft fan clothing that doesn't compromise on quality. And for a limited time only, Titus and Tate listeners can score 20% off their first order at homage.com. Collections that mark iconic moments and teams from the NFL, NBA, NCAA, and more. All printed on ultra soft hoodies, tees, and sweats. Simply use offer code TNT to save 20% on legendary looks. That's homage.com, offer code TNT. Joining us now is the legend himself, Gus Johnson. I I could not be more excited for this, Gus. Uh, this is you, you are on my bucket list of guys to uh, not even necessarily interview, just talk to. Um, and and I guess maybe we should start the interview there. Have have you gotten used to this at this point in your career? You've you've done it all. You've called as big a games as as there are in sports. Uh, but has the idea of you being a cult of personality of of people tuning in to just to watch you, just to listen to you? Have you gotten used to that part of the job yet? No, because I don't watch the games, you know? I don't watch myself. I just go out there and call the game because I like watching the games. I like watching sports. Mm -hmm. So all that stuff. 
I don't really, it doesn't exist to me, man. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Because I, I like my job. I, I got a great, yeah. just to let you know, and you boys got great jobs. We got great jobs. So Oh, we so. do. Yeah. But I, you're good at turn, tuning out the noise. You're, you're good at just like locking in, doing the job. And the idea of uh, maybe the internet is a buzz. They're like, all right, there's two minutes left. Gus Johnson's calling the game. Everybody get to Fox right now. Like you're, you're good at like, I don't know tuning, you, you too. I'm scared of the internet. Um, you know, I know that's it's one of those institutions in our world right now that uh, is an institution. But uh, man, I can't be listening to what everybody has to say, positively or negatively, because I don't want to, you know, from a mm-hmm. negative standpoint, I don't want to, you know, get into no negativity. And from a positive standpoint, I don't want to get the big head. Mm-hmm. So I just try to stay cool. And enjoy the games and enjoy delighting in the excellence of these incredible athletes on the college and the pro side that I get a chance to see. Well, Gus, we wouldn't have you on with us unless history was happening. And we have history that's coming up on January 18th. You may not be watching, but we will be watching you. We have uh, Notre Dame for the first time will be playing at an HBCU. It's your alma mater. You played baseball at Howard for the people at home that may not know that. What is it to, What is it like to know that you're going to be able to call this game at your alma mater, to have a, a prestige program, prestigious program like Notre Dame come to Howard? What is that moment going to be like for you, Gus? Well, um, I think Notre Dame should have been going to Howard forever. Yeah. I think all these schools go to play black colleges on the road sometimes, and it has nothing to do with the business. Uh, I think it's a wonderful thing that uh, Notre Dame is playing Howard, um, and they decided to uh, you know, make the trip to D.C. on Martin Luther King Day and his birthday and, uh, and play the bison, but I don't think that like it should be that big a deal. Why, Why now? Okay, yep. well, great, happening now. But it's Howard University. Notre Dame is, you know, a great university. Um, but so is Howard University. Uh, same caliber. Yep. It's going to be wonderful because people are excited about it. And I'm excited about it. And Notre Dame's going to feel the might of the blue <laughs> and white. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, as you said, maybe we should get to, we should be working to a point where these sorts of things aren't a big deal. But uh, they are. They still are a big deal. That that McCord Maker, a five-star kid, could have conceivably gone to anywhere. He could have gone to Duke. He could have gone to Kentucky. Uh, he chose Howard. How important is this? Why does this matter so much beyond the obvious? Like the the social justice movement as a whole um, has has trickled down to as we're talking about college sports. There's now a a push for guys to take HBCUs more seriously. And you're starting to see guys put out their final four schools or whatever. Maybe they don't pick them, but they're putting them on there. And that, that certainly didn't happen 10 years ago. Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on just kind of where we're going in that direction? Sometimes <laughs> I went to Howard. And when I learned being at Howard, what I was most happy about looking back on it now as a man that's 53 years old, it was like, it was just nice being around your own kind. You know, mm-hmm. people that are black, black people that have black lives and black families and black stories and our black African-American history. You know, the people that I met when I was in school are still many of them, my dearest friends to this day. Uh, Guys that I played ball with, my teammates, ladies that, you know, that I was in class with, that I created friendships with. I think that, you know, Sometimes sports for the elite athlete is is just a springboard to uh, become a professional and earn a living as a professional athlete. And I think that, you know, these athletes go to 
these power five schools, which are predominantly white, because they're looking for an opportunity to to play pro ball and play at the highest level. And I think what we're learning over time is that if you can play, they'll find you, mm-hmm. period. I don't care where you're playing at. I mean, if you can play, they will mm-hmm. find you. So therefore, maybe the kids are looking nowadays for a different kind of experience, uh, a different kind of experience to where, you know, when you're African-American and you go to an all-white school, there is a uh, an adjustment period that you have to make, especially if you're an athlete that came from a black environment. Mm-hmm. So for African-American colleges and universities, that's not the, the same adjustment doesn't have to take place. It's more natural. It's more organic. It's familiar because, uh, you know, you're looking at people that look like you. Mm-hmm. And Gus, one of the things that I find fascinating, you mentioned about learning, and I think one of the things people you know need to learn about HBCUs is that it's not a new thing. There's been prominence for quite some time, and you mentioned they'll find you where you are. Earl DePro Monroe went to, went to Winston-Salem State. You know, you talk about Sam Jones, and you talk about Charles Oakley, and you talk about Ben Wallace, even you know in the modern game, Robert Covington, all these guys that went to HBCUs. So Rick how much? Moore. Yeah, no. Rick Mahorn. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The list goes on. So how much pride do you take in? educating you know people to let them know that there's been so much talent that's come out of hbcus and we're just talking about basketball i'm talking about you know business world everything it expands beyond so what's it like to have that pride and be able to share that with people and share that knowledge oh yeah man you know we're a bunch of bad dudes man bad ladies bad (laughs) man if you don't know you should go ask somebody uh, (laughs) that's really what it is you've got good men and you got good women and educated people that are trying their best to to uh, to to move forward in life and in, in in society and in their education and in spirituality and I think that you know that is that is the most important thing about it is the mm. people you know the education that we're getting from professors mm. that look like us the confidence that you get when understanding your history yep. you know and our history mm. is just as long as this country. You know, it's our, uh, we are a part, we are creators of what's happened here in this country. And uh, to be able to go to a school and experience that and enjoy that, uh, grow from that, learn from that. And you can do that at any university. But when you're African-American, I mean, I don't know very many countries in this world. And maybe you can, you know, you can have your internet, your internet (laughs) bodies. All right. How many countries in this world have the amount of colleges and universities dedicated to their number one minority? Mm. Think about that. Historically, black colleges and universities. Beyond the, the, the magnitude of what this game means for, for HBCUs, uh, I want to talk about what this means for Gus Johnson, Howard alum, going back to your school. That, that you, uh, It's my understanding. You called when you were a student at Howard. You called basketball games, uh, men's and women's games. Uh, just for you personally, going back to your alma mater to call the Bison, to, uh, this time now, instead of calling it for whatever, I, I, I don't even have a guess as to where they were broadcasting those games when you were on the call when you were a, a college student. Now you're on Fox, now you're national television, now everybody knows your name. What are your emotions, Gus, as you think on that, just where life is taking you, and now you're going to be back at your alma mater uh, on national TV against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish? You know, man, that's a, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Mm. Full circle. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's why I started. So it gave me a chance to, uh, to live this life that I'm living. I live a great life and have a chance to be around really nice people. And that's because of uh, Howard University uh, broadcasting those games right there, right where I'm going to be um, on a telephone hmm. mm. that only went to the dorm. I remember uh, one of the best days of my life, I had broadcast the women's game at Howard. And uh, I got back to the dorm that night after the game, because I, I, I didn't think anybody was listening and just going to the dorm. And the kicker, the starting kicker, Gary, for the, for the bison, I saw him somewhere. And he said, uh, in the dorm, and he said, hey, Gus, I listened to your game today, tonight. And maybe I called him the next day. I'm not sure. But he said, uh, hey, man, you got something there. Mm-hmm. Keep it up. And I said, you think? And he said, yeah. So uh, be able to go back there. Um, I try not to really. I'm trying not to really think about it. Mm. You know, they got. There was a phone plug underneath the desk. Mr. Darden, who ran the facilities, wrote my name on the phone plug, Gus, so I would know where to plug my my uh, my remote radio kit. And somebody sent me a picture about a month ago. They took a picture of that phone plug, and it still got my name on it. Mm. Wow. It's a big deal. Wow. A, wow. Mm. You know? Just talking about the authenticity, uh, you know, of your career. Um, you know, you come from Detroit. You go to Howard. You play baseball, like you said. You kind of you you fall in love with this career, and you love sports. And I think that's the thing that Titus and I, you know, we, we mm-hmm. can tell when we listen to you call a game. You know, whether it be you know TJ Sorrentine from the parking lot, you know, all the way up to you watch college football. You know, on Saturdays, you can hear the passion. And, you know, I just wanted to say that, you know, just from from our vantage point, we appreciate that because you can tell yeah. that you love the game and it means so much to you. And, and it makes us, the fan at home, love it even more. We and, speak on uh, behalf of all the Internet people. Yeah, we don't know we'll speak for the Internet. <laughs> you know, I'm not perfect. None of none of us are. We're all yep. human yeah. beings. You know, uh, to me, I think that a play-by-play announcer is one of the best journalists in the world. Cause he's doing things on the fly. Yep. Usually if it's a football game on a 10 story building with hundreds of people down there and he's keeping it organized yep. and uh, trying to tell you what's going on from afar, but up close, you know? <laughs> and uh, I just can't think of a job that would be better for me, mm-hmm. for sports fans. And to have an opportunity to be able to be allowed in these gyms, in these stadiums, and to be able to meet these kind of people at universities and professional teams and presidents and head coaches and star players and stuff like that. My real life has exceeded my dreams. Mm. 
so Tate, Tate mentioned some of the, the, the famous calls you have, and my God, we could, we could talk for hours about all of them. Uh, th- there's one that stands out to me, though, Gus. It was, it was one of your, your final – I consider this kind of the final Gus Johnson at CBS moment because if, if, if I have my timeline right, I think this was the last like big time I remember you during March Madness. Uh, but it wasn't even March Madness. It was the Pac-10 tournament in 2011 when Isaiah Thomas hit the shot against Arizona. And uh, it, that to me is the Gus Johnson call because there's 15 seconds left. And, and it felt like from my perspective, every time I rewatch this, it feels like you knew that that shot was going in. <laughs> every, every word that came out of your mouth was like, he's about to make this. Like he had to, <laughs> He's about to make this. And then he makes the shot. Um, I guess that's my question. Did you know he was going to make it? Because like that, the way you, the way that call went, I don't know if you remember it. Cause you know, it might've just been another day at the office for you, but the way I, I encourage everyone listening, by the way, go watch it on YouTube. The way you're calling it is you just keep escalating and escalating. If Isaiah Thomas misses that shot, he's putting you out, man. Like he's, he's throwing you under the bus. Cause you, you have hyped it at that point so high that that shot has to go in. It's almost like you willed it in. <laughs> yeah. um, did, did you know it was going in? <laughs> oh man. I, I mean, I just believed in Isaiah. Yeah. First of all, come on. Poetically, the kid's name was Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> and Gus, you're a Detroit Piston fan. You're a yeah. Detroit guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Isaiah Thomas was, is, and will always be my hero. Isaiah Thomas, Barry Sanders, mm. and Lou Whitaker. Mm. Those are my guys. For life. Yep. So, I mean, when Isaiah, and he was killing them that game. He was killing them. And he little dude. I'm, he, I'm taller than he is. And, uh, and uh, it's just that he was playing, and it was just a riveting. And uh, I just remember, he, you know, time was winding down. He walked it over the midcourt line. And Lorenzo Romar was about to call a timeout. And he looked at him and he was like, no, I got this. Mm-hmm. So you're asking, I didn't rule the ball in. He said, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> Cleared the floor for him. He was at the top of the key. He, he's left-handed. He gave him that little back. <laughs> and he stepped back. You just knew the ball was yeah. going in. <laughs> I mean, like, how could that not go in? <laughs> and fortunately, it went in. And I mean, it was just to me, it was just it was one because he had no emotion on his face. If you look, you probably can't see it because you don't see a tight shot of his face, I doubt. But he had no emotion. He's like, no, nah, coach, I got this. Don't mm-hmm. worry about it. Bam. <laughs> Bam. Game over. Cold blooded. I mean, it just it was cold blooded to me. Mm-hmm. It was just. That's what real ball players do. That's what stars do. They step up to those those situations, those occasions. They you cannot deny them. Mm. I remember Isaiah Thomas told me one time something that was kind of spooky. He said, "You know, this is when he was coaching the Knicks, and I was the voice of the Knicks." He said, "You know, you don't really have to miss." I said, like, what do you mean? He said, that's what I'm saying. He said, if you make the decision that you're not going to miss, you don't have to miss. <laughs> it's a choice. <laughs> really? He was like, no. If I decide that I'm not going to miss, 
I'm not going to miss. Mm, I mean, it. and you think about Steph Curry. Yeah. I think I read somewhere yesterday where he hit like a hundred something threes yeah. in a row. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Did you read? Yeah, that? I think yeah, it was yeah. five hundred. Yeah, five hundred. Well, they put. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you believe that? I don't believe that. <laughs> in a row. Who wrote that? <laughs> Steph Curry probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's what he said. So when Isaiah, little Isaiah. Pulled up and hit that shot in the Pac-10 championship, man. That to me was a like to me that was that's my favorite for basketball. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Because I I don't think I've ever called a walk-off game-winning shot for a championship. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the Chris Jenkins shot. Yeah, that would have been an awesome Gus Johnson moment. Right. Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah, well, it was an awesome moment to, yeah. in itself. Yeah. you know, you know that that was one of the to me that's a NC State, but that wasn't a shot. I mean, that was a shot. NC State, but, Houston. It was an air ball, yeah. It was an air ball, yeah. But that was, that was yeah, it was like yeah. a weird sequence, yeah. yeah. And I'm yeah. not yeah. saying that was luck, but it was fortuitous. <laughs> but the Chris Jenkins shot is the greatest shot to me in uh-huh. college basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. As a North Carolina fan, I can even say that. I mean, that was that was uh, that's the biggest shot on the biggest stage, no doubt. And not only did he hit the shot. Ryan Archidiakono got him the ball. Yep. In that moment, mm-hmm. I would want Ryan Archidiakono on any team, any business yep. that I would be a part yep. of. He passed that ball. It could have been all him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He dropped it back. He was like, he like mm-hmm. laid it up. And for he, him. Dropped it. <laughs> he dropped it. Back. Yeah. Man, but to oh, me, man. that's Jay Wright. Yep. And then watch Jay Wright's reaction when he hit that shot. Bang. He is the coldest, coolest <laughs> dude ever, mm-hmm. ever. And I asked him, I said, how come you didn't jump up in the air and celebrate? He was like, because I was thinking about how bad Roy felt mm. when that ball. So I didn't want to. Mm. Come on. Yeah, come on. You can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean. That's a different level. I do this for a living. Yeah. I'm around people like this for a living. Yeah. Yeah, you're around people like mm-hmm. that for a living. All of the, you know, in sports, sometimes you know people act up and people do bad things and people make mistakes. But ninety five percent of it is great. Yep, good people trying to feed their families and trying to be a part of their sport, college or pro, men, women. So uh, tell you, man, it's just you know. Getting back to your Isaiah Thomas question, come full circle. That was to me my favorite. Yeah. Oh, nice! I'm yeah. glad we agree because that is definitely that yeah. was definitely my favorite. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I always remember. Is that it, Tate? I think that that's I think more? that's it, Gus. Uh, we we appreciate you coming on and sharing these stories. And oh, you're right. What's that? Dude, we're not on the air with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With BJ. <laughs> with BJ. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you have any podcasts? <laughs> Gus, we appreciate you making time, man. Uh, have fun going back to, to your alma mater. Uh, uh, Howard versus Notre Dame. Martin Luther King Day. What a uh, weekend. On Fox. It's going to be an awesome weekend. Thank you for making time for us. We're excited for you. Hopefully the Bison show up. Notre Dame has not been looking great this year, so I think it might be you <laughs> might be all right. Yeah, might be upset city. I hope so. Hopefully uh, McCur- McCur- Maker gets back, hits a game winner at the buzzer, gives you the Isaiah Thomas yeah, treatment. That's you what can we give need. him the, the call. There you go. So, From your mouth to God's go. ears. All right. All Thanks, right. guys.
Before we get to the Pac-12 update, want to again talk about our fine friends at Discover Card. Want to hear something amazing? Of course you do. Discover matches all of the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically. All of it. All of the cash. No limit on how much you can earn. How amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all of the places that Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the United States that take credit cards accept Discover. 99%. All of your cash back matched automatically at the end of the year 99 percent of places so when it comes to discover get used to hearing the word yes more often learn more at discover.com slash yes 2020 nilson report limitation supply i'll say tate i don't know how you can listen to that interview with gus johnson and not one love the guy but two put your tv on fox on on uh, <laughs> uh on monday and watch him call this game against notre dame howard against notre dame that 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 is what i'm calling on everyone listening i'm going to be a company man and i'm going to say mm-hmm. The, the man was in tears talking about his alma mater, for God's sakes. Yep, yep. The least you could do mm-hmm. is have a heart, mm-hmm. support the man. Mm-hmm. I love Gus. I, just, I love him so much. I, I, that, what, what, what a, that, that's that's my, my highlight. You said it. I mean, that was like, the, that's, the, that, that's the best guess we've ever had. That's the most, you know, that's, that's bucket list stuff for me, so. Yeah, and it's probably the realest, uh, like, it's one of those real moments in life where you see someone that genuinely loves where he came from and has such a reverence for that place. And obviously, Howard, I have a bunch of people that I went to school with that went to Howard, and Howard is a beautiful experience. And there's people like Gus that can package and tell that story uh, so beautifully, and he's going to do that. Uh, and obviously, Mike Bray will be in the building, so we have some some characters uh, from the college basketball world. So we need that. Um, it'll be fun to watch, like you said. And this is, this is a nice, like, like segue in the company man this wasn't even a planned company man no it wasn't uh, but it worked out perfectly and we thank you so much gus yeah uh shout out to to howard uh shout shout out to my my former aau teammate curtis white played at howard for four years he's he's the guy that uh if you ask greg owen who's the best player on the aau team greg owen will sit you down and school you and say it was curtis white and here's why and then you'll go who's curtis white and he'll say Pull up a chair. I'm going to talk to you about Curtis White. Curtis White, all-time glue guy, Mm. uh, lived in the high post in a 2-3 zone. He invented the glue guy, and uh, he played at Howard for four years. Oh, we love that. um, How good was he? Let me pull up his stats. I forget. (laughs) He was good. He, he He averaged eight points. All right, that's three solid. rebounds, there you two go. assists. Yeah, yeah he's a, did a little. That bit is anything. the most glue glide, glue Florida, guy spin yeah. line I've ever heard yeah. of. Yeah, that's perfect. Shout out Curtis, uh, great dude too. Love that. Guy. I think he's like a. I think he might be a cop or a firefighter in Indy. I think he's a mm. firefighter now in Indy. So anyway, shout out to the to the White family. Uh, all right, Pac-12 update. Let's get mm, into it. Let's um, do it. The, we, we have a lot to talk about here. Uh, as a reminder, we are the only national college basketball podcast to devote. Mm. A segment to the Pac-12 that yep. I just I, that's very important that I, I remind our listeners of that because uh, Mick Cronin on Tuesday Tate said the rest <laughs> of the country obviously doesn't think the Pac-12 plays basketball this year because all you've got to do is look at the rankings and stuff like that. So Mick Cronin is uh, putting the country on notice. He's saying all of you media types, uh, you, you you're the worst. You're horrible at your jobs. Um, you, you don't even think we're playing basketball. And I just want to say, Mick, this is a safe haven. Yep. We we are yep. the only podcast that devotes a large chunk of time every week to your conference. We're we're doing mm. the best we can to carry water for your conference. Yep. So let's do that now. Here's the Pac-12 update. I'm just reminding people why we're doing this. Like people yes. might be saying, "Why do you guys do this?" Yes. This is why. Yeah. Yeah. Because this there's a war against the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. We are LA guys now. Yeah. Whether we like it or not, that's mm-hmm. where our taxes go. So we have to. Uh, we have to lean into this it. This is the East Coast, we- West Coast beef. We have joined <laughs> yeah. the West Coast, and uh, exactly. yeah, it's for life. Uh, all right, so we start with this. 
Pac-12 stat of the day. Uh, in the top 24 on Ken Palm, mm. top 24, very, very normal cutoff point. In no way, <laughs> shape, or form is that arbitrary. Uh, the Pac-12 has four teams. The ACC has two. So, wow. interesting, out of the gate. How right many there. would the ACC have if they did the top 26? Well, we don't need to do that. We said top 24. That's all that matters. Uh, in fact, Colorado, Oregon, and USC are all above UCLA on Ken Palm, which is fascinating mm. because UCLA has kind of emerged, at least at this point in the season, as the uh, the best team in the Pac-12, certainly in the standings. The Bruins are 6-0 and Tate in the Pac-12 mm. Um, mm. for the first time since 1994. Wow. Which, as we all know, the following year they won the national title. So, does that is that a good omen? Peyton Watson mm-hmm. coming in next year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chris Smith coming Chris back. Chris Smith coming back, mm-hmm. and the stars mm-hmm. are aligning. Um, <laughs> Jim also, Herrick, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, sticking with UCLA, our cor- our cardboard cutouts are still there. We're yeah. getting prime position. They're 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 really prominently featuring us. The UCLA men's basketball Twitter account put out a picture and said, "Please, please give us money." And we'll make a cardboard cutout of you. And they showed pictures of the cardboard cutouts so people know what it looks like. And uh, I'll be damned. You and I, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Front row at, uh, sitting Gucci row at UCLA. It was Jessica Alba. It was John Rothstein, mm-hmm. friend of the program. It was you. It was myself. And it was Kevin Love, also a friend of the program. Uh, never been on the program, but we're just going to say that. Because <laughs> you sit in front row with us. a pre-friend of the program. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as soon pre- as we meet Kevin Love at the Poly Club, he will be a friend of the program. So those were the five. And then not some one hour, two hour later, they put out another picture because I'm sure some prominent <laughs> alumni reached out and said, who are these other, why is there an Ohio State guy and a North Carolina guy? sitting front row there and uh, they put Bill Walton uh, they, who the, who was Dave, Dave Roberts Winfield, I think. or Dave Roberts, Dave Roberts yeah. uh, and uh, and then they put uh, uh, a big way Billy and uh, and Kevin Love who they bumped up yeah. so those were the three they put out in front of us and uh, so we, we were a front row for a while we're happy second row and we love you UCLA notable alumni I'll tell you who it was it was the UCLA lady UCLA yeah, of course UCLA, UCLA, UCLA lady yeah, the UCLA lady, lady. Who, Told us to sit down, please, mm. sir. Please sit down. You, you seem yes. to, you seem to be standing up and clapping when yeah. our team scores points, and I can't see the court. And yeah, and I don't <laughs> like that. Well, you and, and also that whole row that you're sitting in. Those, those are yeah, all those my are seats. Mine. Like we moved, we moved like I three seats over. She story. was like, I actually have the whole row. We're like, lady, you bought the whole row just to tell people to sit down. She's uh, like, yes. Yeah. Nobody, <laughs> I was like, lady, is? nobody is nobody is sat here all game. She's like, yeah, I know exactly. Because yeah, exactly. I bought the row and yeah. That's unbelievable. Uh, all right, so that's the UCLA part. Uh, today, by the way, today UCLA um, blew out Washington State one by thirty. So um, there's that. Mm. Uh, also, Utah kicked Stanford's ass today. A little surprising. Um, mm. Stanford was a team that we saw uh, hand it to Alabama. Uh, Stanford had a little up and down Maui Invitational run there, but uh, yep. they, they handed it to Alabama, who now is looking like the cream of the crop in the SEC as of late. So, um, you know, there's obviously a lot of great pieces with Stanford, De Silva and, and Zaire Williams and uh, others, we'll say. <laughs> um, but man, Utah, I watched that whole game. That was on this afternoon. Uh, and I watched the whole thing, and Stanford got their asses absolutely handed to them. But I want to remind people. Stanford has still not played a home game this year, Tate. Mm-hmm. Still not. They're playing at the, the Warriors G League Arena is where Cruz. they're playing their home games. Yep. So technically, if you pull up Stanford's schedule, it will show home games, but it is not, It is not. Uh, what, what do they play, Maples Pavilion? Yeah. I believe yeah, is what it was called. I think it, so. That's what it was yeah. called back in the day. They have not played at Maples one single time. Um and that's that's noteworthy. So I just wanted to point. Out, I'm 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 building in some excuses for Stanford because that yeah. that would actually suck. In all it, honesty, that would suck. 
Yeah, and, and one thing I will say about Stanford in general, Zaire Williams was the guy I felt like the five star that the, the West Coast basketball fans was going to kind of like boost the national audience. You and I interviewed Zaire. He's a great kid. But it seems like the uh, the attention has now gone to Evan Mobley at USC. Yeah. And, and well, it feels like Ted Evan Valentine Mo- broke him. Yeah, exactly. Ted <laughs> Valentine, you did this. You did this. He did but this. he did have a triple-double uh, last week, uh, Zaire Williams did. And uh, I don't know why, but if you have a triple-double, it becomes a headline. It becomes major news so uh zyra williams had a triple double so he saved his season don't worry Mm -hmm. about him he's still a lottery pick he did have a triple double stanford women by the way landed the number one recruit in the the 2022 class so i i don't know if that and kids and kids what do we say at home what is stanford a private school Mm. oh stanford women still number one in the country Uh, so don't be throwing dirt on the Stanford basketball graves just yet, folks. The women yeah. are, are are doing all they can to, Love to it. keep it to keep it Love going. It. Uh, moving on to the desert, Arizona State is now four and five. They are one and four in their last five game state, and the one win was over Grand Canyon when Grand Canyon had a shot at the buzzer to beat them. So yeah. uh, those of you coming into the season who are buying Arizona State stock like our friend Zach Schwartz, who came on the podcast. Yeah, should we bring him back on the show now and ask him about Arizona State? Because that would be fun. I think that would be the best version of this. We had him on after Lou Dort versus James Harden (laughs) was like the story in, in the NBA. And yep. he was like, he's like, oh, by the way, Arizona State's gonna have the best team we've ever had in school history this mm-hmm. year. And mm-hmm. just wait, Bagley mm-hmm. and Josh Christopher and, mm-hmm. and Remy Martin and mm-hmm. Alonzo Verge, like we're stacked, dude. And then he just, it's been crickets. And Zach's not texting gone. me much anymore. Yeah. I don't know what's yeah. going on. <laughs> uh, so there's that. Remy Martin, as a reminder, was a preseason first team All American. Um, <laughs> and also, Arizona State has not been, beat a tournament team this season. So yikes. Yeah, Bobby Hurley's whole campaign. This is supposed to be the year that Bobby Hurley made the leap. Uh, he mm-hmm. has fallen off the Coach K uh, successor power rankings. Um, he is not even in the top five right now. This is a weird year no. uh, for there's Bobby only, Hurley. Yeah. There's only one way to get it back, Bobby. It's time to reassess where we're at in this climate. Mm. You're in Arizona. The coronavirus numbers in Arizona are dreadful. They're mm. spiking like crazy. Do the right thing, Bobby. <laughs> Hit the eject button on the season. Yeah. I don't think he can, yeah. though, because Arizona self-imposed their postseason ban. Like, this is his time to shine, you know? Like, Arizona State has to right the ship and, and go on a run and then rub it in Arizona's face and say, you guys, can you make the tournament? We went to the Sweet 16. But they're garbage, dude. They're not a good basketball team. Yeah, so. the, the, in my mind, the Pac-12 basically has three options every single year. It's going to go L.A., it's going to go Arizona, or it's going to go Oregon. And, uh, you know, this year it does feel very L.A. It feels like UCLA mm-hmm. and USC, it is an L.A. year in the Pac-12. Uh, Oregon at one point seemed to be the team. Uh, Arizona was never the team. And I think Jamal Baker is now out for the year, so they're definitely not the mm-hmm. team. Uh, Arizona State, they have obviously the flashy names. I think Bagley's been battling some injuries, so there's some reasoning there, but they're obviously Obviously not the team that we thought they were, but I do think USC is better than we think they are. USC is um, good, and, 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 I, and good. I think UCLA yeah. is is better than people think think they are. I think they're actually dude, a top twenty five teams. So, dude, the top twenty five, they're top twenty four, baby. There's four teams <laughs> in the top twenty four. I, right, I, mean, I forgot, I forgot about the top twenty four. Yes. Come on. Uh, all right, moving on. We have there are rumors that Boise State and San Diego State are going to move to the American Athletic Conference. Rumors are swirling. Wow. I don't remember who started these rumors. I think it was Pat Forty was tweet or Pete Thamel. One of the mm. I think it was one of the Yahoo Triumvirate guys. Were, nice. uh, they 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 say that they are hearing whispers that the American Athletic Conference 
is trying to recruit Boise State and San Diego State. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, also, the WAC. <laughs> yeah, I saw, I saw this. The, the WAC. WAC is expanding <laughs> and reinstating football. Um, yep. In 2022, the following schools will be playing in the WAC. Abilene Christian, mm. Stephen F. Austin, Lamar, which is my one of my favorite school names. It's just yeah. Lamar. It's just yeah. like a guy named Lamar. It's not yep. like Lamar Johnson University. Or like, <laughs> no, you know. no, just Lamar. It's just Lamar. <laughs> who you know? You know who founded Lamar? Lamar. Yeah. It's just yeah. a statue By of a himself. guy named Lamar. <laughs> He's like pretty good. La- Lamar's still alive. He's like sixty-one <laughs> years old. He's just like he sits on his porch and drinks a forty and just like waves at the kids as they walk by. And he's like, like "Enjoy school today, kids." Yeah. It's like it's like I don't know how this worked, but I got it. <laughs> uh, and then Sam Houston State is also joining, as well as Southern Utah. So that that is your whack update. And as a reminder, the whack uh, once upon a time was a premier West Coast mm. conference. Mm. Arizona was in the whack once upon a time. Arizona yeah. State, Utah, TCU, UNLV, San Diego State. BYU, all these schools have been in the whack at one point in time, and now it's Lamar. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the conference of Lamar. Yeah, we disrespected the Southern Conference uh, a couple episodes ago, and I wanted to say this. Like, the whack to me is getting in, like, the Southern Conference held it together, and it's one thing that I love about them. It's like the Southern Conference used to have North Carolina. They used to have Davidson, Wake Forest, mm-hmm. and all these other teams. And then, like, the the new version of it still feels like a real conference. The whack just feel like it's still Southern teams that are there. Like, the whack just feels all over the place. I hope they figure it out because I like the whack. I think the whack has always been uh, a fun conference, but. They, these are the conferences that got killed in realignment. You know, we always yeah, talked about yeah. like the, the the ACC could get ruined or the Big Ten. It's like no, these are not the. It's like the, the Conference USA and the WAC and all these places. Dude, I'm got telling crushed. you, the the solution is obvious. It's been obvious. Promotion relegation on the West Coast. <laughs> I don't know how many times I can say it. Yeah, the Pac-12 is the Premier League. Yeah, uh, you have then like the Mountain West. And the West Coast Conference, like some conglomerate of that can mm-hmm. be like tier two. Mm-hmm. And then the WAC and the Big West and the rest of the scratch. I don't know. They, they fight out. You know, we, yeah. need, we need some order to this because they're all moving around anyway. That uh, like h- half this country doesn't even know what conference BYU is in. Yep. No, I don't even know what kind of, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. They're in the Mountain West, right? No. WCC. No. The WAC. They're the WAC. They're so... Yeah. Pac-12. What is, uh, <laughs> Just keep um, saying it. <laughs> but they all move around anyway. Let's get promotion relegation. Get Gonzaga in the Pac-12. Get San Diego State in the Pac-12. Yeah. Get, get push push Oregon State to the to the WCC where they belong. And and Washington State. I'm sorry, but you're going to the WAC. And away we go. And there it is. I, I will say Washington State. I watched them play UCLA earlier. They were nine and two, and uh, I remember in the preview I said I believed in Washington State. I did not know why, but they uh, they've won nine games, and uh, they just lost by thirty. Well, <laughs> they won a hey, they won nine games before that, Titus. Dude, you got to remember is, that the Tate curse is alive and well, dude. You said Wisconsin's the best team in the Big Ten. Lose uh, by 40. NC State's the best team in the ACC. I don't know Lose what happened on the last show, but I will say I died laughing when I watched <laughs> NC State get blown out. And uh, uh, it was I haven't hated NC State or had a reason to in quite some time. And, and not that I ever really hated NC State. I always had quite a, you know, just, you know, it's like I kind of like some of the players. Like TJ, the recent players, I love TJ Warren, one of my favorite players. Uh, but regardless, when they were getting blown out the other night, I was like, I hate NC State. You know, it was like, it was like <laughs> one of those things where it finally hit me again. And... Uh, 
that was good. It was good to feel something again. Let's pivot now from from Pac-12 update to shout-outs, closeouts. I want to mm. make my first shout-out to the National Basketball Association, uh, and it is a Pac-12. Uh, it's a good segue because the at the focal point of the National Basketball Association right now is a Pac-12 guy by the name of James Harden. I haven't watched I haven't watched a second in the NBA. I said that on the last show where you're kind of giving me the the rundown of what's what the hell's going on with the Hornets, um, and I probably. <laughs> I don't know if I will until the tournament's over. This might be the the least NBA consumption I have. What what is going on with Harden? Harden got traded to the Nets. <laughs> He's fat now. He's like super. He like in the summer he was skinny. We saw him coming down from Mount Sinai with the tablets, and he looked like he mm. hadn't eaten in mm. forty days and forty nights, and he was skinny as hell. And then like in the snap of a finger, in like six months, he he's he's beefy as can be. Um, Anyway, he he got traded to the Nets, and now that's that's the talk. And I guess uh, we're supposed to mention that on the show. So there you go. Yeah, <laughs> a, after the Rockets game the other night, James Harden went to you know the the post game press conference and said, "I have given it my all. This team is not good enough. I'm sorry, Houston. Uh, thanks." And it was probably the most shocking. Like I watched it live. I watched I watched the game, and I like I know John, like you know love John Wall. John John's like a great guy. I feel like he has a very bad rap, but John is like a very principled person so like someone doing stuff like this to john wall is like an affront and boogie's the same way the fact that boogie cousins and john wall are both like that's unprofessional like that says yeah. something <laughs> you know what I mean? like, <laughs> just think about that you know like that that says something uh yeah. but anyways james harden goes to the nets uh i mean the big news is that nobody knows what it's going to look like I, I would say and there's like this is the classic there's the old basketball people that are very upset you know the old the old guard which says uh, this is not how you get traded in the NBA. You play your way to a trade. Uh, right. You can't like basically have owners do everything that you asked for five years. And then, you know, in a flip of a second, say, F you guys, I want to leave here. Uh, yes. that, that doesn't seem like the best way to handle things. And then from the Brooklyn side, it's like they, I mean, I talk about putting all your chips in, Mark Titus. They literally these guys can leave next year and they don't have they have they don't have a first round pick for like they have they lost four first round picks and they have pick swaps that they gave away to Houston. So if the Nets don't win now with these guys, it is an absolute mess. The same thing that they did a decade before. So I mean, in in reality, like Kevin Durant wants to be the centerpiece and wants to be a leader. This is gonna be the first time he can be that. And I'm excited to watch that play out because I think he can be that guy. But he has the hardest task I could ever fathom and having Kyrie Irving and James Harden be the guys that he has to lead. And I mean, I was talking earlier to, to BJ Armstrong, who we both know and had played with Dennis Rodman. Mm-hmm. He just said that if Dennis Rodman was on their team, that there was no way that Dennis Rodman, nobody would know where he was or nobody would have gone and gotten him and talked to him. So he was like, there's no one that has gone to Kyrie yet and had that moment. Like KD mm-hmm. hasn't done that. No one's had that leadership moment to do that yet. And it seems like it's going to be a drama. It seems like it's going to be a mess. And uh, I, the NBA has changed so much since 2016 when I was it's really so bad. It, it, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's so it's, bad. It's wild. It's wild. So it's so bad. And I, I, I don't. I, I love professional basketball. It breaks my heart what's happened to the <laughs> NBA. It's just like guys just decide like I don't want to play, so I'm not going to play. But pay me, <laughs> but also trade me. It, but also, it, there's it's, a broken it's there's a broken wild. level of trust between. I mean, this is like you know, this is just my opinion. There's a broken level of trust between the the ownership, the the league itself, and the players. Where there's like the players are like, I'm not property. You don't get to own right. me. And the league is like, 
We do. We, we never. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, like, yeah. not even the league. The owners, I should say, are like we do, yeah. and then the league is the middleman between that conversation. So you have yeah. th- this is a very yeah. delicate conversation, and Kyrie is having a like Kyrie is trying to have that next level conversation. He said during the summer that they shouldn't go to the bubble. He said that he was going to start his own NBA. Like yeah. we forget that that happened. Like you said, James Harden was skinny this summer. Like Kyrie this summer was talking about starting another NBA. <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 uh it's crazy. It's obviously like a lot of drama that has nothing to do with basketball. That's what I would say that you and I talk about offline a lot is that I grew up and like Steve Francis playing basketball was something that enthralled me, you know, and I just like yeah. wanted I was entranced yeah. by it. I wanted to watch him play basketball. And like now the NBA, I feel like half the time I don't even talk about basketball. It's not even talk, a basketball I'm league, about, dude. I'm talking about the, it's like Kim Kardashian level. The uh, players about hate the drama. basketball. The yeah. players hate basketball. It's shout because, out to Damian Lillard. He's the one guy that I love. Yeah, yeah. There's more time passes and more drama happens in the NBA. I love Damian Lillard. He loves basketball. He's gonna he he, he feels like a guy that's gonna stick in Portland until Portland gets rid of him. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, or I, Steph Curry. I mean, that's... Steph Curry as well. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. There, and it's not to say anything like, I love Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is one of the most impressive basketball players I've ever seen. And it, and it is honestly one of the few people that when I saw him play at Texas, I was like, that dude's going to be the next Michael Jordan. Like the seven foot version of Michael Jordan. Like, I, I don't yeah. know what he's going to be, but he's going to be unstoppable. And Kyrie, when Kyrie was at Duke, I was like, I've never seen somebody dribble like this. How the hell did he go to Duke? Why is he at Duke? Like, I'm... This guy's a, a supreme talent. They are supreme basketball talents. We know that. I just want them to be happy individuals as people. That's yeah. all. I, that's all. That at the end of the day, that's what we should all want for them. But sure. also, but also at the same time, when you're getting paid thirty million dollars to go play for the Brooklyn Nets and you don't tell anyone on the Nets that you're not playing, that yeah. seems like it'll be a problem. And yeah, we all get that too. And I think he gets that. I mean, it's like a, it's this weird conversation where like we're all people. And so we all understand the human element of this. It's tough. It's a pandemic. There's a lot right. of shit going on. I understand right. that Kyrie's got like he. There's every reason to be. And uh, I don't know. The NBA has become all of those conversations, Mark Titus, as opposed to like me saying, "Can you believe that Jokic starts the break? Like right. Jokic, Jokic gets the ball and starts the break and runs pick and roll as if he's the point guard, and no one's talking about that no because we're talking about all this other bullshit." I think- I think all of the things that all these all these things that happen in the NBA with uh, the the I guess you just put it under a player empowerment umbrella of Kyrie just going AWOL and Harden yeah. forcing his way out and and just limp, going through the motions in Houston and load management situations yeah. with Kawhi where he, he can only play I, once every twelve days because uh, <laughs> science or something. Mm-hmm. All of these things I think in a vacuum on their own are defensible and sort of makes it not all of them necessary as a blanket statement there for the most part the individual things it can be argued I, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah the problem is that they start stacking up on top of each other <laughs> and you look at the league and you're like how can anybody like i i, I genuinely feel bad for people that love the love an nba team like because mm-hmm. that's like it, it, the the fans of the nba seem to gravitate it towards just like i like a player or yep. i just kind of like the general drama or whatever but there are still people out there they're like i am a diehard utah jazz fan i live mm-hmm. and die by the jazz i live and die by the cleveland cavaliers uh i live and die Memphis by Lamelo ball and the hornets yes yes, yes. and it, God bless those people because God bless them for sure. Boy, what a time to like love a team, you know? Like, yeah. 
Like, unless I you're mean, a Lakers fan, like yeah. who who is happy? Who Ty, what, what fan base is like, dude? This system we have is awesome for. I, I don't want to be Lakers. That's it. And every I, other team is like, this is what? What is going on right now? I don't want to be that guy, but Anthony Davis did the same thing. Like Anthony yeah. Davis forced yeah. to trade out of New Orleans to go play for the Lakers. Then he won a championship, so it validated all of that. Like right, so it, so it made it seem like that's the way to do it. And I'm not saying it's the wrong way to do it. And I'm not saying there is a right way to do it. I'm just saying that if you're talking about rhetoric and and just Q scores and all that bullshit that you people like, a lot of people care about this, like in the social media world that we live in mm-hmm. now, people care about being liked. If you care about being liked and you care about rhetorical devices, by saying F you to a city, like basically, <laughs> like that's not going to work. Like I, I, and like, and it's not to say that like, I like James Harden a lot, but you have to understand there's going to be repercussions for like some of those things. And like, it's not, it's like when people burn jerseys, LeBron's jersey, I didn't agree with it at all. I think it's ridiculous, but you're like, those people are upset. So they're going to do this. And like LeBron at the end of the day, like he dealt with that was like, you know what? Those people aren't my fans anyway. You have to get over that. And it's like this weird time where it's like, everyone's trying to be like, you have to understand my side of this. You have to understand my side of this. The ownership wants you to understand their side of it. It's like everyone from their own angle has a reason. It's so divisive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, The owners live in their bubble. The players live in their bubble. The fans live in their bubble. And none of the bubbles are anywhere close to touching each other. And and now you don't even mention the media lives in their own bubble. The media, the, the media lives, lives in the bubble that is you know basically controlled by owners and you know GMs that are telling them what they they want to be told yeah so it's like this dude, it's, what a dude, mess it's a mess it's a mess it's, a, it's, it's an mess. absolute mess yeah. I'm with you dude 2016 was the greatest year of NBA basketball of all time it was, it was. unbelievable it was it, it was. was so good I was watching so much. It was so so good. But but what then, what was the difference there? Like we we did not know. I mean, I know that I personally had no idea between the Thunder and the Warriors and LeBron and the Cavs. Like there was like so much of like there was there was uh there was this equity across the league where it's like could James Harden and the and Rockets all, it? yeah and was, all the teams were like they whether yeah. they were or not it felt homegrown it felt like yeah. all these teams were organically built at that time mm-hmm. whether true or not because I know the cat I know LeBron left and then came back and the, you know but but it, LeBron was a Cleveland guy and now he's got Cleveland on his chest yep. and, and Steph was drafted and Kyrie by the, was drafted at Cleveland yeah so he was like, drafted by Cleveland yeah. and then Durant and Westbrook were drafted by the Thunder and mm-hmm. and they're oh, God it was so good. <laughs> What yeah. what the hell? <laughs> oh But Adam Silver, greatest commissioner ever. I, I, oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But that's that's look, we're not we're not we're just saying that you and I both grew up watching NBA basketball and have a an interest in NBA basketball. We're not just, NBA haters, we're just pointing no. out the fact that it's changed a lot and we we're trying to I keep d- I just up hope as well. though, I just hope at a certain point, like the, the media types that cover the, the hashtag NBA Twitter people <laughs> aren't scared to like the emperor's not wearing clothes, you know, and yeah. it's okay to point that out that like not everything Adam Silver or the league or whatever the players, not everything's awesome. It's not mm-hmm. all good just because it's like good for your Reddit post to upvote, to get in there in all caps and say, what is going on over and this over this league, this league, sick <laughs> league, like over, like, that's that's not it's okay to step back and be like what are we doing this is yeah. so stupid and yeah. i don't know it, the, the old heads that cover the nba and talk about it they, they just get like dunked on left and right for for you know talking about the good old days and you know michael jordan certainly wouldn't have ever done that and larry bird i tell you one thing he wouldn't have joined forces with the magic you know and people dunk on him and rightfully so because it's 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 anytime you have gray hair and you start talking <laughs> that way you're gonna get dunked on but yeah 
They, it's true. Like a lot of the points <laughs> are true. Like it is very clearly you have to be blind to to think that to to not see that the NBA is vastly different in 2021 than it was even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Much less like back in the good old days when Jordan and Bird and and the Magic were there. So I, I dude, it's so weird because the NFL, the NFL is the same league. Yeah. To me, like the yeah. NFL in 2021 is the same league I grew up watching. It'll be the same league in 50 years. <laughs> and it's a lot easier when you're football because Americans love football. And I don't even baseball is the same. Like, I don't know. This is, this is too broad of a discussion. <laughs> whatever. Let's let's wrap this thing. <laughs> Sorry. No, I, I apologize you. to the listeners for the diversion. It's just frustrating because you're right. Like we are NBA fans. Uh, obviously, we like college basketball more. But I, for God's sakes, like we we both loved the NBA. We grew up watching the NBA. It was never there was never a division of NBA and college basketball in my household and your household. It was I love basketball. Yeah, I'm yeah, putting yeah. basketball on. Yeah, I don't. I never yeah. even thought about it. Well, I that's even, that, that's what yeah. I think is the problem currently, and I, I can boil it down to that. Is like I hear all the time, and you and I, we we live in the media world, and we hear all this shit. Is like how much basketball has changed, the revolution of basketball. But at the end of the day, and this is going to sound like the most old man thing you ever heard. Go for it, dude. To win the basketball game, nothing has changed. Like the the DNA, the makeup of what it takes to win a basketball game, the actual game itself has not changed mm-hmm. at Make all. Make shots. <laughs> at all no i mean but like yeah, straight no, up right. i mean i'm not even right. trying to be that like i mean we can talk about like there's been these revolutions like but the dna to actually win a game and like to have like an actual leader on the team that knows how to deal with actual human beings to actually get them motivated to want to play to have like actually have guys buy into their roles to actually mm-hmm. like the whole thing it still builds out the exact same way which is why all those old heads like spencer haywood and these people that go on and talk about this stuff and get their eyes rolled at you know it's like because they know at the end of the day we're all playing in the same game and there's a the there's a certain yeah. way to win there's a there is mm-hmm. a there is a formula to leading a team to a championship lebron james is doing it to a t right now in la they're they're the defense of the lakers mark titus if like if you haven't watched the nba this year the defense that the lakers play is and i know the warriors love to say light years ahead of anyone else mm-hmm. light years and I, mm-hmm. and I will say that light years because of conditioning and because of the fact that they only had 70 days off and they know how to communicate on defense. And Marcus Gasol has even helped to be better on defense. Mm-hmm. But every other team in the league, they don't even have them to even play defense. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that shocks me as a basketball fan, because there used to be teams that I watched in the NBA where it's like, that's a defensive team. That team plays defense. The Grizzlies are a defensive team. That's their identity. And yeah. it's hard to find that in the NBA today. But that's my rant. That's all I got. That's no, all I got dude, left. good. Please do it. Yeah. It's good. It's yeah. okay to criticize the NBA is what I would say <laughs> to the NBA. It's, it's okay. Like, it's like okay. when people say you're not yeah. playing defense you don't you don't have to get defensive if you're a media type and and yell at the because i mean for god's sakes you're right like a lot of i don't know whatever who cares uh <laughs> light years ahead the lakers defense that was the oldest you've ever sounded on this thank show you. by the way thank that, you. you sounded it hasn't changed very very old um, <laughs> god bless you for that all right any other shout outs before we go oh uh shout out to uh us shout out to the billboard uh the the yeah, ultimate yeah, fan yeah. bracket in fan durham bracket, north carolina yeah. is finally live uh, exit 175, 15501, right there by the School of Science and Math. Um, they did not let me in, Mark Titus, and now I have a billboard right by their <laughs> sign. Uh, take that, School of Science and Math. Uh, <laughs> but no, shout out to uh, Fox for making that happen. Uh, yeah. Shout out to North Carolina for having the best fans in the country. And uh, a whole month of us on a billboard in North Carolina. That's uh, that's great. That's a, that's a good shout out. Yeah, we had, we had Gus Johnson on the show, and we're on a billboard. This wow. is be better than that. Wow. Uh, I want to shout out James Booknight, who... Uh, uh, is mm. getting elbow surgery. He's out indefinitely. We don't know how long that means. Um, 
So that sucks because UConn is playing very well. UConn yep. has been unranked, I believe, for most of the season. I don't know if Pretty they ever much. touched like 25th. I don't know if they actually They've gotten votes, but I don't know if they've ever gotten. But yeah. they've been uh so so they they've kind of been off the radar a little bit. I know we've talked a lot about them being back in the Big East, but uh in terms of national coverage or a casual fan, they're probably not watching a lot of UConn cuz on your little app that has top 25 games today, UConn's not showing up. Mm-hmm. Uh so I just wanted to point out to people, UConn is at worst the third best team in the Big East and you can yep. maybe argue if you wanted to argue they're better than Creighton, I'd listen to it cuz I watched them play Creighton and they should have won the game. And they would have won the game if they were fans there. Never forget mm. that. That is the mm. one game. If if, mm. if I can pick one game this season where I can say definitively, if there are fans in the building, it goes a different way. It's it's the UConn Creighton game. UConn Boom. would have won. So uh, UConn has has been great. They have the formula that they always have when they win national titles, which is like kind of existing on the peripheral. Yeah. But they have one guy who could literally drop forty on yeah. any given Book night, night. Yeah. and that is Book Knight, and he is now out, and we just hope that he gets back because uh, that would be awesome. UConn's first year back in the Big East if they won a national title. That would be hilarious. And the cra- <laughs> the craziest part about it is that Booknight had finally, talking about the NBA draft boards, he had like finally you know gotten into the top 10 of a lot of draft boards, and then he gets this elbow surgery. I know a lot of UConn fans that I know have reached out to me and said that they're hoping that the, NCAA, the NBA people forget about him, uh, that they leave him on the back burner, <laughs> and uh, that Booknight will come back because they need to see Booknight next I year exactly, at I know exactly the UConn fans you're talking to. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah, exactly, exactly who you're talking about. That's yes, hilarious. That's, that's what they're hoping for. <laughs> uh, finally, I had two more shout-outs. Uh, shout-out to the Alabama Crimson Tide. Not the football team. Wow. Very, I want to very clearly say <laughs> not the football team. I disavow the football team. I, Me too. I, I, the football team, no. Mm. I say no to you. Mm. The basketball team, however... Shout out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We Kentucky. saw them. Maui bump. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, uh, I, I, I wanted to say today, I think it's time we start paying attention to Alabama again because they beat Kentucky, ruined Kentucky's undefeated season. Mm. Um, but yeah, we saw them lay an absolute stinker against Stanford and Asheville. And I kind of just like, dismiss them which <laughs> yes. is, I was like alright I don't need to watch much Alabama like I know they had good pieces coming into the season but yikes you got smoked like that against Stanford but they're back they appear to be back they're playing great basketball they, they beat Tennessee not too long ago in Knoxville um they're at the top of the SEC. Yeah, it's yeah. And so Quitterly yeah. and Quitterly is out right now. So like there yeah. is a uh, there's a question to be asked about that. Will he help them be better when he does come back? Who knows? But they're winning games, like you said. And Kentucky, man, were we high on Kentucky? And boy, are they back to where they started? Man, man hate to see it. Save, yeah. save it for Tuesday. We'll the, the <laughs> uh, finally, shout out to uh, Oklahoma State, the Cowboys, our bandwagon yep. team. Um, the Bill self special. We called it on the show. It happened. Oklahoma State wins in Stillwater over Kansas, win by five. You had uh, uh, Cade Cunningham to Rondell Walker, the 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 that the big the the game winning. It ended up being the game winning play. Cade Cunningham blocks the shot, saves it, yep. leak ahead, and one. And then Bryce Williams has the dunk. Has like the it, it, it conjures up memories of Dennis Smith and Cameron Indoor Stadium. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As the buzzer sounding, throws like an alley oop to himself, bounces it, catches it flushes it it was nice and very and disrespectful but and, and bill self was not disrespected at all he was uh no. he was very fine with it and said good game fellas you know yeah. i no, did, it, I did it again bill self's like yeah. uh, i did it again boys yeah, yeah. <laughs> wish i could have coached you fellas like y'all's group <laughs> toodles <laughs> yeah bye y'all <laughs> Oh shit! I had one more shout out. I lied. Uh, shout out to you. You mentioned earlier, uh, company men. You mentioned they, they put us on a billboard. They're letting us talk to Gus Johnson. Uh, mm. Shout out to Fox Sports. Uh, Tate. Nice. 
couple uh, i have a two-pronged approach to the shout out number one uh sunday marks the one-year anniversary that we we signed on here it has been a wild year i certainly <laughs> did not anticipate the year taking the shape that it has but uh it's been a pleasure working at fox and i love it very much and i'm not just saying that because i'm contractually obligated to i really mm-hmm. mean it so uh, nice that's cool but uh, yeah the one-year anniversary time flies right like we did the we did the announcement with the hats and all that that was a year ago yeah and uh a year that if you had told us when we signed on that a pandemic was going to wipe out march madness we would have laughed at you yeah. we would have said that could never happen ha 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 cheers you know to I another Googled, great like, season what exactly a pandemic is, <laughs> yeah, it, like, does that mean like all low is it like really bad or just yeah. kind of bad i'm or, like is that yeah. worse than an epidemic like yeah. what how do, I, how do we deal with that uh yeah so the the fact that we you know persevered throughout this year the fact that they put up with us fox of course who i'm talking about and our bosses and our producer and you know everyone that uh that kind of carried us through this year we appreciate it and we're very excited to have a tournament um and we're hoping that we can deliver uh in year two better than year one and uh all good things for the future and like you said it's great to have people that uh believe in us and and mm-hmm. want us to do well and want to get us great guests and want us to do fun things and that's uh that's a powerful recipe because it makes you want to work hard, and uh, we appreciate our bosses over at Fox Sports. Well said, Tate. Uh, the second part to my shout out was that I I was going to make the announcement that uh, this is our last show. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> We're back in the studio next week, dude. I'm so excited for this. Uh, I was told that we we are moving, so we we had a studio at Fox uh, when we first signed on. We're, we're no longer at that place, I believe. We are now moving. The way I was told, and I'm sure as soon as we stop recording this, <laughs> they're going to be like, no, you idiot. That's not true at all. But uh, I'm, gonna, I'm going with it anyway. I was told we are now going to be doing shows from the Die Hard building, Tate. Mm. The Die Hard building. Yes, yes. I watched Die Hard over Christmas. It's not necessarily a tradition in my house, but I just felt like doing it this time around. And yeah. I was watching Die Hard, and I was losing my mind that I'm going to work in that building. We're going to be working in the Die Hard Tower, whether it's this coming week or uh, two years down the road. I don't know, but I was told we're going to be working in the Die Hard Tower. And uh, hopefully, the next time you hear Tate and I's voices, we will be streaming, beaming mm. our voices, whatever the word is, from the Die Hard Tower, Tate, where Bruce Willis was in a, a, a tank top, yes, uh, yes, crawling through the the vents, where Hans Gruber fell Man. to his death. A great Christmas Spoiler movie. Alert. Yeah, <laughs> well, one of my favorites. Gets me in the spirit every single year. Uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. And, and for you and I, we were at the you know the digital lot. That was the first place that I ever got an internship. Came out you know in 2014 to work at the Playa lot. So like special memories there. Fox has always had our back, and the fact that we get to be on the lot now and be official, it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, and, Carl uh, Winslow had a dead body <laughs> fall on his car, so he put it in reverse and drove into a river, kind of ish. <laughs> We're going to be there. We're going to be doing shows for oh, there. It's going to be great. So, going to be great. Uh, all right. That's the show. That's a long-winded. Shout out to Gus Johnson. God bless you. God love you. Uh, I, I, I love Mike Bray, as you know. You mm. listen to the show. Tate and I love Mike Bray so much. I'm cheering for Mike Bray to take the L on Monday because I want to see Gus. Let's go, Gus. Be happy. Let's Gus go, Bison. all the happiness in the world. Yep. So. All right. See you guys next week.